In the New Testament Gospel of uh, John, Jesus gives us a new commandment, and that commandment is simply that we should love each other, not in our own strength, but with the incredible power and depth of God's love, where we are commissioned to love each other. So it's kind of a radical thought. It's kind of more difficult of a command to fulfill than it first appears, and yet it is by our love for one another that the world knows uh, that we are Christ followers. The Bible says that the people around us will know that we are a follower of Jesus Christ by the love that we have for each other. So it is in that love of Christ that we have gathered this morning to worship. It is in the love of Christ, it is the love of Christ that is the bond that holds us together. So thank you for coming and may your week be blessed because you are here uh, to share today. Let's pray together. God, you are the one who calls us into community with each other to love, to work, and to support, and to heal one another. You are the one who calls us uh, together as your people to bring justice and hope and freedom and truth to our society. And you are the one who calls us into community with the whole creation to live in harmony and to cherish and renew your world. So be with us today as we worship the God who makes us one in Christ. Let's and, and it's in God's, it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I was thinking this week about the profound thinker, uh, Charlie Brown. Remember him? Charlie asked his friend Linus one day, and he says, do you ever think much about the future? And Linus replies, oh yes, I, I think about it all the time. What do you think you'd like to be when you grow up, Charlie asks. And Linus thinks for a long moment, and then he says, I think I'd like to be outrageously happy. See, there are two basic ways that we go at trying to find happiness. And the first one is, is uh, that we try to arrange all the circumstances in our life so that we will be ultimately happy and content. And we try to get that job that fulfills us. We try to have a, a happy marriage or family life or relationship. We look for enough money to feel comfortable throughout our life, but the problem is that none of those things are secure. All of those things can be lost in an instant. The other way to seek happiness is to seek it in the Lord. And if we're happy in God, that is a true and lasting happiness. We may go through tremendous trials in this life. We may even be deprived of life itself, but through it all, we can know an abiding joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples of Jesus knew that, uh, that kind of happiness. They were warned um, after Jesus, uh, as they followed Jesus, they were warned sometimes not to be preaching anymore in the name of Jesus. And they were beaten up for their efforts, but then they went on their way, the scripture says, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' sake. The Apostle Paul reminds us to rejoice in the Lord always. Today we're continuing this teaching series that we're doing through the season of Lent. It's called Come, Follow Me. And we're going to look at uh, one of the ways that we can find this kind of happiness. And it's called putting on Christ. No longer divided by race and religion and geographical origin and social status or any of those things, the church is a special place, one that is referred to as God's chosen people who he loves dearly. And the, the evidence of that love is that we clothe ourselves with things like compassion 
and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. God's people are to clothe ourselves with the character of Jesus Christ himself. And we're to take off the old clothes that we're wearing and put on some new clothes, Christian virtues, that ultimately bring honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll get to all that in a few moments, but we want to pray together. Let's pray. Lord, you do give us an enormous opportunity and a tremendous challenge when you invite us to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So empower us today with your spirit so that knowing full well the cost of that decision, we may choose the difficult and demanding way of serving you in your kingdom. Forgive our self-serving attitudes and give us the wisdom and the strength to make you Lord of all of our life. We pray in Jesus' name. We've been talking in this teaching series about what it looks like for us to follow Jesus. And perhaps the best news that we've heard so far is that we don't have to be perfect to be a Christ follower. Nor do we have to understand everything there is to know about Jesus before we can follow him. Because the first followers of Jesus were not even believers at the beginning. Jesus sought out his first followers from all walks of life and they responded to his invitation to come follow me just the way they were and the remarkable thing is that when they agreed Jesus was able to lead them uh, to a place of forgiveness and strength and new life and so the lesson in that for me is that if we are insincere about wanting to follow Jesus we can follow him just the way we are today and then allow him to lead us into a path of grace and truth Sometimes I think people worry about what it will mean for them if they seek out a relationship with Jesus and express that desire to be a Christ follower. We're afraid that it's going to mean some radical changes in our life. And that may be true for some people, but more often than not, Jesus calls us to simply take small next steps in following him. Just as we don't jump usually into the deep end of the pool to learn to swim, we wade into the water of spiritual growth one step at a time. And when we do that, with a desire to grow spiritually, Jesus will increase our courage and our strength so that we don't need to be afraid of surrendering more and more of our life to him. The promise that Jesus makes to those who follow him is that no matter what we face in life, we can be fearless because God will be with us in each and every situation. Today we're going to talk about what we need to wear if we're going to be a Christ follower. People around us, you know, can tell who we are and, and what we follow by looking sometimes at what we wear. There are times we can also tell what religion or tradition someone follows by what they wear. Take a look. The one on the left is me before we started a contemporary worship service. No, true. It's not, um, but you can identify someone by what they wear pretty quickly and kind of pick out what religious tradition they may be a part of. But you know what? Jesus never ever calls us to wear uh, different uh, clothes, uh, outward clothes, but he does call us to wear a difference on the inside, to have different attitudes, to have different actions, to live a different kind of life. So if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to be identified by something. And Jesus makes clear that what ultimately needs to mark and identify his followers is simply 
love. In the Old Testament book of Exodus, we read how God gave Moses ten commandments to help guide the life of the people of Israel. They are sometimes referred to as the law or the foundation of doing life together as a people uh, that follow the ways of God. But in the New Testament, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 13, we read about a new law that Jesus teaches us. And it would become the foundation of our life together as people who follow the way of Christ. Jesus said, now I want you to uh, join me in reading this. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. There's an old hymn that has a chorus that says, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Yes, they will know we are Christians by our love. So it is love that we need to put on, and it is the Apostle Paul uh, who not only tells us that love needs to be our clothing, but he defines what those clothes uh, should look like, what love should look like. In the uh, New Testament epistle to the, his letter to the Colossian church, he says this in chapter 3, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must also for, you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. So what would this love look like if we were to put on what the Apostle Paul says are the clothes of faith? What are the attitudes and the actions that we'll wear well as we get on with the work of our daily living? The Apostle Paul says that we're to bring the following attitudes and actions to every single relationship in our life. The first is compassion. The word for compassion here is not one that talks about a feeling from the heart, but a feeling from the gut level, the very depth of our being. In Jesus' day, they talked about a deep-seated kind of love coming from deep within us, and, but talking about the gut seems a little graphic, so we won't go deep there, but the compassion is not this warm, fuzzy feeling that we get when we see a new puppy or a new kitten, you know. It is a deep profound care and concern that moves us and even brings us sometimes pain and sorrow uh, as we see the lives of those around us. Compassion is that gut level emotion that stirs us and tells us that we have, we have to do something to alleviate the pain and the sufferings of other people. Compassion is about doing something that lifts people up. It's the ability to put ourselves in another person's shoes. A number of years ago, I remember being moved to that kind of gut-level compassion when the evening news showed pictures of children dying of starvation in Ethiopia. Some of you remember the 80s. Uh, it was a th there was a three-year drought uh, during that time when mass migration of people were shifted into camps. There was a significant number of children and, youth, uh, and, and adults 
who died daily for lack of food and water. It was a horrifying event and it was played out almost daily on the evening news. Over the years, most of us have seen some equally horrific sights in different parts of the world. It might be the plight of refugees in Syria, or the Ebola virus in Africa, or hurricane devastation in the Caribbean, many others. The point is, when pictures like that make us sick, that is the beginning of true compassion. And when we feel in our gut that, that we just have to do something, that's true compassion. A few years ago, we had the Children of the World Choir here in worship. Some of you may remember, and you, you even hosted uh, those kids in your homes. Um, this, the sponsoring organization, World Help, gave us the opportunity to then adopt a child in need. And Jan and I, like some of you, agreed that we had the financial means and decided to sponsor a child in India because of what we felt, and God was uh, leading us to do that that day. True compassion, you see, always moves us to do something. When we're moved to do something to alleviate the pain and the suffering of, of another, that's compassion, and that compassion is to be a mark of God's people. The second virtue that Paul talks about is kindness. A great definition of kindness comes from Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta. He says that kindness is loaning our strength to others when they need it. Kindness is loaning our strength to others when they need it. Kindness is making ourselves available and offering what we have to other people. Think of those who have been kind to you. Many times there are individuals who have been willing to give up some time or a listening ear to you. It's people who loan their strength, their service, and when people have been there for us, giving that time or help, we see them as kind people, don't we? And that's the nature of the love that Jesus says needs to be part of our lives. Kindness is the willingness to do the little things that shows a person that we really value them. The third virtue is humility. It's important to remember that humility is not about putting ourselves down. It's not thinking less of ourselves. Humility is thinking honestly about ourselves in relationship to God and to other people. Who are we, anyhow, in comparison to God? Many times, you know, we think that we know what God should do. We know how God should act. And while we would never come out and say it that way, we sometimes think that we know God's job better than he does. But if we're honest compared to God, we are nothing. I love the story. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the, all of the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament book of Job. And one day, Job is in the middle of his period of suffering, and he's complaining to God, and God gives him a real lesson in humility. And here's what God says. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who supports its foundations and laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, this is this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear? 
and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The, the light dis, uh, disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas came? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? And where does darkness go? Can you, can you take each uh, to its home? Do you even know how to get there? Wouldn't you have loved been Job having that conversation with God? These words help to put our relationship in, with God into perspective, don't they? We are not God. We are children of God. And we're created in God's image, and we have value, and we have worth, and we have dignity. As children, we are also connected to each other, which means we are brothers and sisters of one another. We are not better than anyone else, but together we share in all of humanity, which means we treat everyone with grace and being willing to do whatever it takes to support and care for another person. That's humility. The fourth characteristic is gentleness. Being gentle is making the decision to deal with people on their terms, not ours. It's responding to people according to their strengths, their weaknesses. Being gentle means we have to stop and think about the person that we're reaching out to and understand a little of who they are and where they are in life and faith and how to best help and support and inspire them. And no matter how tough we act on the outside, realizing that our spirits, everybody's spirit, gets wounded sometimes. And we all need some tender, loving care. I think a great analogy of how we need to treat people according to their strengths and weaknesses is, is thinking about how we pick up two very different objects. The one is a contact lens and the other is a baseball. Some of you wear contact lenses and you know that if, if that lens goes down, that's, it calls for barely a touch so that it sticks to your finger and you lift it and place it carefully back in your hand. But a baseball, we just reach down and grab, don't we? We're picking both of them up, but we do it differently according to what works for each item, not what's best for us. So being gentle takes some time and it takes thought and it takes energy because it requires us to think first about that other person more so than we think about ourselves. The last characteristic is patience, and this is the last definition Paul gives us for love. And it's something none of us really like to talk about a lot. Uh, patience in relationships um, is, is simply working with others at their speed, not ours. Most of the time, I think we go through life at our speed, don't we? And, so, and a few of us even at warp speed. But patience requires us to slow down. Really slowing down is not always a bad thing. Patience is, is that gracious attitude of hoping for the very best from that other person, but not giving up when change comes slowly. Now, if you haven't noticed, one of the things we see in each of these definitions of love is that we've been willing to consider the other person before we think of ourselves. Compassion sees the needs of others. Kindness looks for the opportunity to give ourselves to others. Humility calls us to see the value in others. 
Gentleness calls us to work with others on their terms, not ours. And patience means walking or working at the speed of that other person. And so the common characteristic we see in all of these virtues of love is that they require us to look at others before we look at ourselves. Paul says this more specifically in his letter to the Philippians. He said, let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience is how we're to treat each other because that's the way Jesus treats us. Jesus was very often moved with compassion, and when he was, it always led him to action. Jesus would do something to alleviate the pain that he saw in other people, he, uh, and he's still moved with compassion when he sees us, and he comes alongside to help us. Jesus is kind to us, and he gives us his time. He gives us his presence. Jesus not only humbled himself by coming to us, but in that humility, um, Paul outlines it very clearly in Philippians chapter 2. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born of a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. And this was the example that Paul tells us that we are to follow. Have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. In other words, this is what we need to look like. This is how we're to act. Just one more thought before I wrap up this message and how we can be more like Jesus. You will notice that in describing how we are to act, the Apostle Paul mentions five attitudes, but then he mentions one action, and that one action is to forgive. Until the day when we become perfect, and by the way, don't hold your breath. Until that day comes when we become perfect, we will still need to forgive each other. Forgiveness doesn't mean letting people get away with anything they want to do. Forgiveness is letting people know that we love them too much to remind them forever of the mistakes they've made. There is no freedom like the freedom that forgiveness brings. Now the Apostle Paul knew that all of these things require kind of self-forgetting on our part that we're not inclined to practice very often. And so he says that we need to wrap all of these attitudes and this one action in love. Our love for each other will give us the energy and the desire to show compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility and patience and forgiveness to each other. But our love won't, alone won't make it happen. Human love has a way of just kind of fading in and out unless it finds its source, and that source is God. Jesus is, is very gentle with us and works in our lives in ways that are good for us. Sometimes Jesus might speak softly to us like he's picking up the contact lens. Other times he speaks boldly to us to get our attention, but even then he is gentle and he never crushes us. And then there is the patience of God. God is so patient with us, working at our speed, forgiving us over and over and over again. Jesus works with us at our speed, not warp speed, and, makes, and that makes the difference. So we are called to love this way because Jesus loves us this way. And if we want to be a Christ follower, we need to look like Jesus, and we need to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And we need to walk softly 
and carefully with each other, always demonstrating forgiveness and love. So here's your assignment this week. It's actually the last of the next steps on your uh, card this morning or, your, uh, or in your, in your uh, worship folder. I know some of you never look at those. Others of you do. Uh, but here's, it's on there today. Here's your assignment. What is one specific act that you can do this week to express that quality of love? Think of it. One, one specific act that you can do this week to express that one of those qualities or all of those qualities of love to another person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be patient with one another and treat each other with kindness as we look for healing in our own lives. Help us to forgive one another for our actions as we are not perfect in this life. Teach us compassion and humility to help those struggling in their own lives and lead us to walk with them in their healing. We pray it all in Jesus' name.